לשידור ישיר ממחנה רמה בברקשיירס. Rabbi Barry Chesler, Salman Shaykh Day School of Long Island, Rabbi Jeremy Kalmanovsky, Anshay Chesed in New York City. We are recording this on the seventh day of Hanukkah, seventh, it's seventh kindling, seventh light of Hanukkah. We're thinking about the 138 hostages still, and we're thinking about all of our brothers and sisters in Israel and all of the people that um, are going through this, this terrible time, this really, really challenging time, and yet... The light of Hanukkah is uh, shining and hopefully giving inspiration to people who are fighting and defending their homeland and their homes. And we are with them and we are studying Torah as a way to kind of shape our thinking uh, as always, sharing it with you. We're so, so thankful that you are with us during these conversations. We're enjoying it finding a lot of comfort in these conversations. We hope you are too. And this is Parshat Miketz, which is an amazing Parsha, second most amazing Parsha in the Torah. Um, because Joseph uh, is hauled out of his jail. He is, you know, we, we're, we're not going to go into Pharaoh's dreams. We know Pharaoh has, if you've seen the play, you know the dreams, seven fat cows, seven skinny cows, seven fat stocks, seven skinny stocks. Joseph uh, is called out by the Sara Mashkim, who is convenient only for that one line where he says, Et I remember what I was supposed to do. Ha ha. He, they haul Joseph up beautifully. They they shave him down. They douse him. They Whatever they do to, to get him presentable. Put on a new piece of clothing. That, of course, is significant. And he successfully interprets the dreams to the extent that that Pharaoh um, is so enamored of Joseph that uh, he offers him a job. On the spot. <laughs> On the spot. <laughs> and uh, it's not without political ramifications. But we got to tell, tell about yeah. Joseph's pitch for the job. <laughs> yeah. Do you, is, is, have you ever seen anybody like me, <laughs> basically? Have you, you, seen, know, you know what you need? You know what you need? You need somebody who's like really, really sharp. Is there anybody here who fits that bill? All right. Since your magicians clearly don't. <laughs> I wanna I wanna kind of zero in on on the moment that the brothers come down. So the famine is now well underway in the land of Canaan. Not the first time we've seen a famine in Canaan. This is, by my reckoning, the third time we see a famine. We had Abraham had a famine, Isaac had a famine. Don't remember, don't don't forget that. When Abraham had a famine, he went down to Egypt. Isaac had a famine. He did not go down to Egypt. And so here there's a famine in this. So there may be some kind of, you know, priming here that they need to go down. And the, the brothers, you know, uh, are, are told by their father to go down. What are you like? What are you looking at each other for? 
you know, and that's that's how chapter forty-two uh, begins. I, and and uh, we could spend a lot of time thinking about it, but I want to I want to take a very close look at the the moment that the brothers see Joseph and the moment that the Joseph sees the brothers for the first time. And for those of you who are watching and listening, and and this is chapter forty-two, verse seven. So it says, Vayar Yosef Edechav, Joseph sees his brothers, Vayakirem, he recognizes them, Vayitnakir Alehem, he acted like a stranger to them, Vayidaber Itam Kashot, he speaks harshly to them, Vayomer Alehem Me'ayin Batem, where have you come from, he says to them, Vayomru Me'eretz Kanan, we have come from the land of Kanan, Lishbor Ochel. And it, we will come to that to buy food or to to acquire to procure provisions, and and we read this this verse, and I want to read it with all the pathos and all the sense of tension that is there. I want I keep thinking like the music of it, which is you know the the chanting doesn't do it justice, which is you know like all these verses you you kind of breeze through them, but but there's there's some cinematography here, or there's some, Joseph recognizes them. And then the next word is, he acts like a stranger. And so I want to go inside the psyche here and ask, of all the possible things that he could have done, why does he do this? And and the, the deeper question that I think we really need to deal with is, did Joseph learn anything? And did Joseph change? Did was there any transformation? The, Joseph is in this scene probably about 37, 30. No, he's 38 years old, 39 years old here. He was 30 when he got hauled out of jail, seven years of plenty. So this is about year two of the of the famine. So I'm giving him 38, 39. He's been out of Canaan for 21 years. Did he not change? Or did he change? Well, and, according to Rashi, he grew a beard. Fine. <laughs> and, you know, I, you mentioned the one verse. If we continue with verse 8, and Joseph recognized his brothers, which seems to repeat the earlier verse, but I wonder if in Joseph's mind he presented himself in a way that the brothers could have recognized him. And then we understand the last half of the verse, and they still did not recognize him. And it seems that Joseph is playing a game that we've seen before. It was a game first played by his father Yaakov with Esau, and then by his grandfather Laban with Yaakov, where he's presenting a situation where he has all the cards in order to the best way we could to best them or actually to humiliate them to make them feel bad and, you know and why why does you know I, we we are the audience okay i've sat through the play along you know many many times and going like why why are you doing this and 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 are you are you besting them are you are you trying to take advantage of them? Are you trying to? So I think that the problem for Yosef is that he has 
uh, a family problem. On one hand, he is the firstborn of his mother. On the other hand, he's the 11th son. And he wants what he thinks is his due, and he cannot get it. And the dream that he had last week suggested that he could get it. I, I don't think that's a play here. I think, I think, I mean, I, 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 I I'm going to say, of course, there's, there's that element of it here, but I think that there's something deeper going on. I think there's something related to identity and, and who he is. Well, he does not see himself, right? The brothers say we're 12 brothers. One is not here and one is back home with dad. But Joseph doesn't see himself as one of the brothers. No, exactly. He sees them as the brothers, and he's somewhat he's he's a stranger. He's different. He he is being reminded that he's a Hebrew. He, and he wants to belong. I, I think and that he's he's being confronted with so it's, this this the past is coming to, you know. Give him a postcard, not only a postcard, but well, the other piece of it is that when he sees his brothers, I think he also recognizes he's not really an Egyptian and he never is going to be one. Yeah. So so the question then is how far does he try to not be a a, a Hebrew? How how much does he want to assimilate to Egyptian culture? I think you look at his firstborn son's name and the explanation for it. There you go. He names him Anasha because he forgot his trouble, his affliction, and the house of his father. You, you, I want to know: Did he give them a the great, great, great piece that Menashe's name does mean? The, the Nashani Elohim, God made me forget all of that trouble. But there's a great little piece of rabbinic lore that you know the brothers um, uh, are speaking to him through an interpreter. Yeah, and this is about The the interpreter was between them. And there's a piece of rabbinic lore that the that the uh, that the interpreter is Menashe, and so what that would mean would be that the the child whose name means forgetting has been taught Hebrew, the language of connecting. Isn't that astonishing? So that's a, a kind of example. I mean, that's a rabbinic reading. It's not explicit in the in the Bible, but we do see so fully. The ambivalence of Joseph, because he has been tremendously abused, we we can see from his reaction later on his great his great love and desire to be connect, reconnected with his with his parents. But the dude was the viceroy of Egypt for seven years of great wealth up the Mediterranean coast. It would have been a snap, and he has never tried to go. So the ambivalence and the sense of Jacob's Joseph's own vulnerability towards these brothers who beat him up and threw him in the pit. Uh, is is just the the Torah does does a masterfully rich uh, job of conveying that 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 and so this that 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 ambivalence and so the vaitna keralehim he acted like a stranger to them he pretended to be you know uh, pretended to be a stranger not one of them I mean the, the the points that you guys are making about he wants to be an Egyptian he knows he can't be an Egyptian he wants to feel like he's among those brothers he can't manage to get that either. That is Joseph as an extremely conflicted character. Certainly more than any other character in the Chumash, we get Joseph's, you know, like the dense human emotional complication. Everybody else, we know what they do. We know a little bit about the 
their virtues, a little bit about their faith. But Joseph, we get all of those things about, you know, that we recognize as any human character in, in great fiction. Well, I, I, I would put Moses up there in terms of in terms of identity. Moses, I mean, and and of course Moses is, you know, we're, we we could ask in what way is Joseph like Moses, in what way is Joseph not like Moses, um, and and Joseph, Moses also has to wrestle with his own identity at the beginning of the story, uh, where he he feels connected to his, he has tremendous sympathy for his brothers who are being enslaved and being beaten up. But um, Joseph, I, I, I want to go to this question of, of, so did he not experience anything over the 20 years? Did he not, did he not mature? Is the, is the same narcissistic streak in him present here? Or, or did he develop some kind of empathy? And, and is, he, is he doing this um, because he has to, because it's really difficult for him to deal with? I'm going to offer a reading that that, and I'm not sure that this is this is not the one and only way to read it. I'm not sure that this yeah. is even correct, but uh, but I'm going to offer a reading that that says the answer to that one is yes. Okay, um, I do think, as I just said, I do think that the emotional ambivalence and the the accusation that they are spies come to see the nakedness of the land is just so super vivid about Joseph's own sense of vulnerability, but. If I want to offer a reading that that says that he has matured into his gifts, that at 17 years old, he he got this like, you know, lightning bolt of a dream. And he didn't even know how to he didn't even know how to how to, you know, it, it's like in, in Hogwarts or whatever. You know, there's, there's a kind of raggedness to how Harry uses his magic early on. And then and then he sort of learns to control it and he learns to become, you know, Dumbledore is not a baby. Dumbledore is like the. The magic master because he knows how to control the gift and harry at 17 he doesn't know how i mean uh, joseph at 17 doesn't know how to control the gift he just tells everybody by the way i got this dream i think it means that you're all my subservience and by now at 39 he has learned that the that the point of the dream the point of the dream and the point of his tremendous gifts is to steer his brothers towards rescue and that is in fact what happens and he does in fact successfully i mean he's, he'll say this at the end of the sto whole story, you guys planned out bad. God planned it for good. I figured out how to be an instrument in God's, you know, providential journey here. And and by the way, I said this before we started recording. You know, we have in, in Judaism, in rabbinic Judaism, an idea that the that the essence of being a penitent is to be in the same situation but behave differently. So the brothers throw Joseph in the pit, sell him into slavery. When in this parasha. Joseph says, I'm, I'm going to test you guys if you are honest or not. I'm going to put, put one of you in jail. I'm going to put Shimon in jail. Um, and if you're honest, come back with your younger brother and your father. Well, they go back to Canaan. They take all the food, and they wait until the food is gone. So Shimon has been left in jail for months and months and months. And Joseph has now put them in an opportunity to behave differently. They fail. But there's going to be a third opportunity at the end, end of this parsha when he threatens to put Benjamin in jail. And then next time at the beginning of the next parsha, they will come through. So if I want to say Joseph has become an excellent instrument of, of helping the brothers towards their destiny, he helps them with the food, he manages to give them a place in Egypt, he manages to fulfill the divine dreams, which in fact said that you would be the instrument of salvation, 
and he manages to leave them more together and more loving than they were in the past. So, so you, you can okay. put all that stuff together. So I, I would make two observations. First of all, it seems that Joseph cares a lot more about Benjamin than he does about Shimo. And I think that's an important important part of his character. And also, when we get to the end of the story in a couple of weeks, I don't know that Joseph is really quite one of them as he wants to be. Um, You know, he has to comfort them in a sense after Jacob dies by telling them that this was all God's doing. But I don't know that vis-a-vis the brothers, he actually thought that. I, you know, I I tend to a darker reading of Joseph. I want to give a, a more sympathetic reading of Joseph this 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 year. I've been critical of Joseph in the past, um, but I I feel um, an affinity. I feel sensitive to him. I feel the the and 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 I guess you know I don't want to layer on the the situation too thick but but we are we have witnessed in real time what it means to be um in prison or what it means to be a hostage what it means to be stolen and brutalized and while the text itself doesn't go into all those details let's let's say that uh being being cast into a pit naked uh and then being sold that's pretty brutal um you know he's not roughed up but then but then he gets to Egypt and he is successful as a servant uh but he gets i mean depending on how you read the potiphar story he gets framed or he he ends up in jail again and and it's a it's a it's a horrible experience um and then he he has encounters in jail uh which elevate him to a certain extent, but it's still he's still not free. And to be not free, he's got to spend a lot of time with himself, and he's got to go through things in his life. And and one of the things that that is bothering him, I think, is that is that he's alone, and that that the, there's nobody looking for him, or there's no nothing, and there's no news, and he doesn't know what's going on. And and there is this deep, deep, deep desire to kind of turn around and leave everything behind and to to start new which is the you know implied by the names of his children i want to start a new life i want to have a new life and here come the brothers and say no you you don't get to you don't get to start a new life the past is going to come rushing towards you and and it's going to knock you and in the moment that he's knocked which is the the first recognition he doesn't know what to do and he's he has to he's recognizing something in himself and and he does what anyone would do in this situation i think okay or let's just say he does what he does which is he builds a wall he vayitna care is i i am not going to deal with them honestly or forthrightly because i'm not going to deal with things in myself honestly and I'm going to protect myself from this this pain, and I'm just going to wall it off, and I'm going to deal with them harshly, 
and see what happens. I don't think he has it all worked out. In the past, I thought, yeah, it, this is the the kernel of everything. This is the nucleus where every every you know everything, all the plans that he has are are formulated in this moment. That may be too generous a reading. Think he changes his mind all the time. You know, puts he puts them all in jail. Then he takes Shimon, whatever. He, I, I think I, I'm, I'm reading it as follows. He recognizes them. He decides out of defensiveness to his own vulnerability that he's going to wall himself off and be difficult with them. He challenges them and he recognizes them. And then he remembers the dream. By score, they don't get to the dreams till verse nine. So there's there's a bit of pause here. And it's the memory of the dreams that they come rushing back to him. I want to say it the, the text says, by Yiskor Yosef et Achalamot, Joseph remembers the dreams because he's put them away. And and for all we know, he hasn't had a dream since. And and in this reading, the past is charging at him. And and no wonder he breaks down, you know, when 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 they start talking. No wonder he will constantly be crying. There, there's just so much built up, and no wonder. I'm spoiler alert. Next week, you know, he's gonna he's gonna have a, a a complete and total breakdown. No wonder. How can anybody sustain that? So I'm giving him a little bit of sympathy here because of what he's gone through. So I'm struck by the, the verse that you didn't read, or the actually the continuation of the verse by Yisqor Yosef El Chalamot, which is. Translate. That you are um, spies and you have come to see the nakedness of the land. And that's, in polite company, we would call that a bald-faced lie. Because they came to get grain, not to see the nakedness of the land. Anyone could see the nakedness of the land. It's the second year of the famine. There are no crops in the ground. All the food is in the granaries. And and what's interesting is that Joseph has this way of not telling the truth or telling the truth in such a way that it's kind of disgusting. Right? Originally, in last week's Parsha, he brings the evil report of the children of Billa and Zilpah. And I think we can assume that it wasn't entirely true. And if it was entirely true... It was not entirely warranted to say out loud. And, you know, Jeremy, I was struck by your comment that penitence depends on being in the same place and reacting differently. But Joseph doesn't do that. He continues to act the same way. Well, once again, I, I, I could say, it's not, I don't think this is decisive, but the meaning of the dreams was that I was here, that okay, the, the meaning of the dreams when he first tells them is you're all bowing down to me. And the brothers, you know, correctly uh, interpret that 17 year old's dream as I'm lording it over you. However, now the dream does look like, especially since, you know, what were they doing? They were in the, sh- they were in the field making sheaves, the sheaves were bowing down. So it, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't something random, like, you know, the, whatever the, the, the birds all felt, you know swoop swoop down or something like that. It's the grain was was the key motif of the dream. 
And now perhaps Joseph sees that the, that the providential direction of the dream was that he was going to provide for them. And it may well be the case, and, and I think that, I, mean, I said this before, that Ervat Haaretz, you've come to see the land in its nakedness, is, is just such a rich way of, ex, of expressing this for a guy who, whose brothers ripped his clothes off and threw him in a pit. Um, you know, it's, it's his nakedness that he feels vulnerable about. And there's one other thing that we talked to, we didn't really talk about so much, we alluded to it a little bit before we started recording, is that jo jo Joseph has an Egyptian name and may be quite um, integrated into Egyptian culture. And perhaps one of the reasons he's, he's doing this, he's, he's got multiple balls in the air and he cannot let everyone in Egypt know where it is that he came from. Or maybe that's not a factor. I, I don't know. I don't know. But it's possible to read this, that he remembered the dream. And yes, what he says to them is an abusive um, falsehood. By the way, you very funny. You, it was very funny you said a bald-faced lie, but that's not how Rashi understands it. He was no. not, the opposite of bald-faced. When he was a 17-year-old kid, he left. The reason they don't recognize him is that when he was 17 years old, he left Canaan and he didn't have any facial hair. Now they're coming to see him in Egypt and he's got he's got a big, nice Hasidic beard on him. And so that's why they didn't recognize him. So it was, it was a fuzzy face line, not a bald face. You would face. think the Strymo would have been the giveaway. What a giveaway. <laughs> So I, I like your interpretation of Evrata Arts. I think I think there there's a lot of connection there. Of course, you know, there there have been a couple of points where Joseph has been either naked or close to naked. You know, when he's thrown into the pit, they take off his cloak and he's kind of naked. And uh, when and uh, Asia Platafar also takes off his cloak. Exactly. So so there is there is that 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 you know lights up for all of us who are reading. But I want to try this one out on you guys, which is, you know, so Joseph is playing the role as an Egyptian, and they are they are not yet identifying themselves as Hebrews. Um, they are, for all intents and purposes, Canaanites. Okay, and there's this there's this thing going on in the Bible about Canaanites and the body and sexuality and nakedness, and I think the Bible has a kind of you know not not so uh, subtle polemic against those those um sexualized hypersexualized canaanites and wouldn't you know it's there's there's a kind of like pornography here which is you are pornographication you are you are going to see the land in its nakedness it's 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 really um a very harsh epithet i think yeah because th that that's really quite quite a you know a sharp observation because the expression you know lirot uh, erva or legalot erva to see yeah. someone's nakedness or to reveal someone's nakedness is the bible's typical euphemism for having prohibited sex right and and so to say that you have come you know lirot ervat haaretz you come to see the land in its nakedness I mean, are we to read perhaps that the that the whole story of stripping and throwing him in the pit was even worse than we than we? Uh, you know what? You, we, I, I, last week I said in Shul, I have a midrashic license. I'm allowed to interpret, it. and then someone said quietly, they should revoke it. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I mean, the rabbis read the rabbis read that when Ham Noah's 
son, quote unquote, the, the Noah, Noah is, Noah's nakedness is revealed in the tent. The Talmudic reading is one, one of the proffered readings is that there is a, there is okay. So let's terrible see. forbidden thing. So so maybe Joseph is saying, not only did you tear my cloak and throw me in the pit, you might have done some even worse stuff to me. Okay, fine. So so let's go there and say that what he's saying to them is that your presence here is a violation of the Egyptian polity. Your presence here is a violation. Okay. So, but then if that's all true, what you say, then how should the brothers actually respond? So by the way, I'm gonna make it I'm gonna make it worse too, and then we'll get to answering okay. how, how they might respond because because le'echol lechem to quote unquote eat bread is, yeah, another, okay. is another biblical phrase that can sometimes you have 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 uh, sexual connotations. So for example, Joseph, when okay. he's he's you know trying to, to to send Mrs. Potiphar on her way, um he says, you know. Um, listen, my master is, is so trusting to me. He's so good to me. I can't behave so badly to him. He doesn't. He doesn't. Joseph says two things. There, are, there are two things that only two things that that he does not watch me. You know that, that he does not entrust me with. One is the bread, and one is you. And those two things are associated. So bread there becomes a kind of euphemism for sexuality. And Moses, when he comes to Yitro, Yitro says to the daughters. Come invite him to sit and have bread, and he gives him Tsipora, his daughter. So there too, giving bread is is can at some times ring in the ears of having a little bit of sexualized connotation. And here too, the at back back last week with Parshat Vayeshev, they they took they took him and they stripped him of the coat and they threw him in the pit. Vayeshvu lechem, and they okay. sat to eat bread. So, so the rebuttal to the the, the charge, there ought to dervata ours to see that they they reply verse ten by your love lo aduni no master my master vaavadecha your servants bau lishbor ochel to buy food lishbor lishimbeit reish it's not to to you know they're they're trying to neutralize that claim so. If Joseph is saying you come here to violate the land, your 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 presence here is a violation with all the sexual overtones that that we're talking about. They're saying no, no, we're, we're yeah, it's a pipe is a pipe. <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's there's nothing. We're we're just we just want to survive, okay? And then they go on kulanu right? Then they then they kind of play a card, their their ID card. We are all sons of one man. Nice irony. He means name. Right? We're honest. We're not spies. I, I think they're they're shaken. They're shaken by the charge. And so they have to they say we're family men. We're we're all brothers. We're we're not we have like what are you talking about? But what it raises a red flag because why come as twelve? Right? Why not send two brothers to get the food? The image we have of twelve spies. Well, they're ten. Right? Shalach. They're ten. The, they're ten brothers here. They're not twelve. They're ten that are dead. But they say that. Okay, you're right. So, the, so this is why we have to read it very closely. 
the first, their first presentation, we're all sons of one man, we're honest. And then he says, no, no, you're looking at the nakedness of the land. And then they say, this is this is the kind of tell, the, the big reveal. Shneim asar avadecha achim anachnu b'nei Okay, so let me translate. We are 12 servants, your brothers, hard to read with punctuation, okay? We, Shneim Anasar Avadecha, your servants are 12, Achim Anachnu, we are brothers, Bnei Ish Echad, we are sons of one man, Beretz Canaan, in the land of Canaan, Vihine Hakaton et Avinu Ayom, and behold, the youngest one is with his father, is with our father today, and the other one is, is not here. And that is the kind of boom. That's the explosive verse. Because they've they've not only shown, you know, their identity cards, they've shown the family dynamics. They've shown how they relate to their lost brother. And they've shown, they've tipped their hand to what's going on now. And, and of course, you know, last week I said, you know, we could read the story of Joseph's abduction in Salem as if Benjamin had not yet been born. So one way of reading this is, that he's learning about Benjamin for the first time here, okay? This is the first time he knows anything of what's going on in the family. And, you know, yeah. Yeah. So so this is this is a ton of bricks on his head right now. So the uh, the whole point is to come meet that full brother. Because, first of all, you know, the, the, that when we, you, we, you, Elliot, talking about what's the cinematography? How do we... How do we stage this? I mean, the beautiful quality of this is uh, they're saying something and they don't even know who they're speaking it to. Yes. We know, we know about the dream. We know that when they say, one is no more, then we want it. You expect them to say, and one of them is dead, but they don't say that. They tell the truth. And he's just not here right now. Uh, little do they know. And so then Joseph says, no, 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 I don't believe you. You're total spies. And unless you prove it to me by bringing that younger brother, which, by the way, why would that prove anything? It wouldn't prove anything. They could have just, you know, hopped up some guy from the shook. But they, they I'm going to test you, but you got to bring the younger brother and and tell you what, let's, I'm going to send one of you back. I'm going to keep, keep nine of you here in jail. And then he, three days later, after they've been in jail for three days, he changes his mind and says, tell you what, I'm going to let, one of you stay in jail. I'm going to send nine of you back to go bring the younger brother. But this this year, because we are talking about, you know, I mean, because the, the the resonance of this story with the hostages is just so is so terrible. Um, you know, can you imagine to what it what it would feel like? I mean, it, my my heart is just a little bit open to the panic and 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 anxiety and trauma of being in jail. So can you imagine he throws them in jail for three days and he doesn't have to? I mean, this is this is the thing that makes you want to tilt more towards towards Barry to Barry Chesler's reading that he's he's just still being so mean. Well, he's, he ends up not keeping them there. He does he does mollify himself. You know, he does say at uh, Elohim ani yare. I am I I have my uh, bearings with me. I fear God. Right. Um, verse 18 I'm, I, so I, look I, I, I want to give him a lot of sympathy and I want to I 
I want to try and and go into his psyche. I'd, I'd love to, you know, write the interview script. You know, what were you thinking at this point, Joseph? Were you trying to be vindictive? Were you, did you know what you were doing? Did you think it out? Did you, you know, were were you, did you know, did you see yourself at this point the way we in the audience see you, which is part of the larger plan? Does he have, is he aware that there's a larger plan at this point? You know, and, and is this the Bible's theme, which is the larger plan happens, but yet each individual makes their choices along the way as part of that plan, regardless, and um, and suffer a little bit. I Look, um, how much of the story then revolves around Benjamin, Benjamin and brothers, and 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 does he want to protect his brother? Does he want to look? His brother is at home alone with his father. The father, the fa this all goes back to Jacob. Why did he send them out in the first place? What what you know? And how much anger would Joseph have towards his father? You're nodding. Absolutely. You you sent me. You sent me. Um, I read this one midrash the other the other week that when Jacob says, "I hear your brothers in Shechem, go find them." That Jacob would read this verse and tremble. That Jacob knows how guilty he was in 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 so much misery uh, eventuated upon him saying. You know, go go hang out with your brothers in 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 Shechem. I mean, of course, that's the providential point of the story. And Brashit will end by saying, "I know you all planned it for bad, but God planned it for good." And so that's that's you know how it. How the cookie crumbles, but but that's how the cookie crumbles. <laughs> no, I think, I, but it's it crumbles with such pain and such, you know. There's so much emotion here. Look, you know, when Joseph. I go back to that story where Jacob sends him out. Joseph, there's a fat the family therapist here will say, Well, you know, talk talk to me about your grandfather. Well, my grandfather had two sons, and one of them they sent off. And talk to me about your father. Well, your father had um, you know, you, I'm sorry, talk about your Abraham, your great grandfather. Abraham had two sons, Isaac and Ishmael, and and they kicked out Ishmael. Well, talk to me about your grandfather. Well, my grandfather Isaac had two sons, uh uh, Yaakov and Esav, and they sent out Esav. Oh, talk to me about your father. My father had 11 sons and me, and then told me to go <laughs> look at my brothers. So would I not deduce from being dispatched that my father kind of wants to get rid of me? You know, and he doesn't. And, and, and it all falls apart. And that's why I feel for him, because he's filled with this tremendous animosity he doesn't send a postcard, doesn't write, doesn't do anything to to make contact. You know, we we get this question all the time, which is, he, here he is, he's he's you know second in command in in Egypt, and you know you'd think that that he'd make some contact with uh, with his father. It was he could, he could, we know from the beginning of De Deuteronomy that it's eleven days up the coast. If you had just went. That's it. Eleven days up the coast. He's he's one of the most powerful people in the massive empire. Right. He, he could have gone. He hasn't gone. 
Uh, by the way, that's a that is another motif that's between the lines because if you just map out the days, you know that Terach lived a long time after after Abraham. Right. You know, so Abraham also has to leave, and and we talked about this before. Jacob, all those years in in Padan Aram, Isaac's still alive, and he also has to you know uh, uh, skip away. Yeah, I see that we're 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 running out of time. What what. You know, when I, when I look at the clock and I look at and think about the conversation and think about the story and think about all the teaching that the three of us can do about this and have done about the story, I it there's no amount of time that that can suffice for our discussion and for for the ability to to really part that we only talked about three verses. We only talked about one scene. There's so much more going on in the parsha. There's so much more to experience here and of course the, you know the the parsha ends on on the cliffhanger which is they 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 frame benjamin benjamin you know with the silver goblet the chalice that that's you know and joseph says he gets to stay here and that's when we reach the the most tense moment the most intense moment but this is where our time is up <laughs> this is we've just scratched the surface but we've enjoyed scratching the surface together. It's great. Always, always. We want to wish everyone a good Shabbat. If you're watching this and the remainder of Hanukkah, thank you for watching during Hanukkah. Hope you have a happy last couple of days of Hanukkah. And we pray for the return of the hostages. We pray for quiet. We pray that that all the soldiers in the IDF will be spared from, from harm, that there's some really difficult days now. We hope that the days ahead will not be as difficult. May it be a Shabbat of peace for everyone. Shabbat Shalom. On the next edition of Parshatim. Shabbat Shalom.